0: week, a really good week. Uh, I, I appreciate the, the prayers uh, and again we, I've been praying personally for over a year uh, for revival um, and I knew who the Lord wanted uh, but we were just firming up the timing and you know the timing is always in God's time it's always his will and, and I'm pretty sure you guys can back me up on this that uh, it was this perfect time in this go-around. Uh, I appreciate Brother Daniel. I uh, appreciate the way he preaches and what he stands on, except for the Ford part. Him and Mike can have that all they want, but, uh, yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he stomped my toes <laughs> several, several times that, it this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he uh, he is going to be at, uh, Evergreen with Tony Potter this week in, in revival, so, Starting tonight, hopefully, i get to slip out there and see him uh, one night. But I just uh, pray for him as he goes through it again. It's, it's tiring. I don't know if y'all, well, none of y'all have probably experienced it before, but when you have to do revivals back to back, plus pastor and being by vocation have to work too, it's extremely tiring. And so just pray the Lord's given him some rest between uh, Thursday and today and that he's ready and fueled up and ready to go. Um, Today's always a hard day for the pastor of the church after revival. It seems like it's one of the hardest Sundays to preach following that up, uh, because it was it was just good. Um, but I know where we're going today, um, and I'm looking forward to, to what the Lord has in store for us. Um, VJ and Judy and um, Ange are are not here today. Um, Colleen uh, Pittman, uh, the, their aunt is up at life care and she's not doing good at all and they've, they've had family start coming in and, and being with them but it's looking like her time here is short so be in prayer for that family and hopefully i'll, I'll be able to swing by uh, after lunch and check on them see what's going on but be in prayer for, for that bunch um and then we've tested it out all week it worked really good so starting today we're not going to film any more of the services we're going to record the audio is it is it going it's ticking away. So uh, it worked. Jonathan's worked it this week, and I've been playing it back at home, and it sounds really good. So we'll be able to get that hopefully converted over and online and or burn CDs, whatever anybody wants. If you want a copy, because um, we've already had a request for the revival this week, which is good. That's what we want to hear. So it's going to work out. So we'll be recording on the mic now, doing audio. Uh, if you got your Bible, turn over to Acts seventeen twenty-two. Acts seventeen twenty-two. We're going we're going to look at a. Uh, a little bit more of, of Paul's journeys today, uh, and this is one that kind of kind of goes along with what Keith was teaching on this morning about um, maybe some little G gods. I'm not sure exactly how he worded it, but it was it was just some Paul some of the things that Paul ran into. And I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this: Can we really worship what we don't know or understand? Now just ponder on it. Don't you don't have to answer out loud or anything like that, but can we really, truly worship what we don't know or understand? Do we know God? Do we understand God? Kind of goes back into Corinthians, when uh, what Keith was teaching on this morning. Do we know and understand God? That's that's a big question, and we're going we're gonna to try to answer it a little bit today. And I, I was thinking about this. Have you ever tried to teach something that you don't know much about, if anything, about That's tough. Uh, When I was teaching fire and EMS, uh, one of the biggest things that I like to do is see one, do one, teach one. I love to see one, do one, teach one. Somebody show me what to do, and then I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to show somebody else how to do it. It helps me better understand it. So in the church, we're kind of like that. We see the Spirit move, and then he gets inside of us, and he moves us. But then we want to tell people about him so that they'll move. So we're in the same boat as I as when I teach. We're going to see one, do one, teach one. We're going to teach people and let the Holy Spirit use us and guide us. And, and that way they will have a better understanding of God, who God is, what God is, what he can do for us, what he's done for us, and help inspire them a little bit more. Now, according to Jesus, uh, the Samaritans um, we're doing this. They was worshiping something they didn't understand. John four twenty two says, "We worship you." Know, I'm sorry. Back up. You worship, you know not what. We know. Not, we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. So call them out on. But then, according to Paul, the Athenians were doing the same thing. The Athenians, and we're going, that's where we're going to be today, is looking at the the, the folks out of Athens. They were doing something. That is dangerous, folks. They're doing something that a lot of churches are doing nowadays, and they're worshiping something that they don't understand. They're worshiping the unknown. They're worshiping out of ignorance. Folks, we cannot worship out of ignorance because if you're ignorant about what you're worshiping, you ain't worshiping at all. Worship is when we come in and we exalt Jesus Christ himself. Worship is when we come in and we're preaching Christ and him crucified. But when you start to try to worship in ignorance, you ain't doing nothing but spinning your wheels. Ain't nothing happening. And these folks were trying to worship without understanding. And that's extremely dangerous. And I've got some quotes I'm going to read you here after a while. They're going to blow your mind and probably make you sick. I don't know, but I'm going to read them anyway. True worship is an expression of our love for God. That's true worship. When we come in here, we're, we're worshiping what he's done for us, what he continues to do. For us, what he done for us by sending his son to die on this cross. That's true worship. A.W. Tozer said this, and you can, I like this. He said, Worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring and awe and astonishment and wonder and overpowering love in the presence of the most ancient mystery, the majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father. Who is in heaven? I love that. Stand with me. We're going to read Acts 17, 22 through 31. Acts seventeen twenty-two through 31. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Yea, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things we are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship uh, with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bonds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, although he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring." For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of the ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That's a big one right there, repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And that's speaking of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, this morning, again, we want to thank you for the sweet spirit that we've had this week. Lord, I pray that it continues to extend through the Sunday service. Lord, I pray that it's it's worked in our lives. Lord, as we've had a time of revival, as we've been revived, we've been refreshed this week. Father, I pray that it's moved us and touched us. Lord, and, uh, Lord I pray that each one of us has had a good week. Lord, I pray that it's just opened our eyes to to where we may have been failing you, Lord, and we just didn't know it. But, Lord, I pray that we've got our act together now, Lord God, and that we are worshiping you holy, Lord, we put aside anything that might be hindering our worship, Lord, putting aside anything, Lord, that may be hindered, not just worship, but true worship, Father. God, I pray that we could bind up the Satan and his demons today, Lord, place them outside the doors of this church, Lord, where they may not bother us, Lord, where they may not hinder uh, what you have in store for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint the service, God. I pray that you just loose my tongue, Lord, and and allow me to, to preach your word, Lord. And as I try to do every Sunday, Lord, preach it boldly and stand on your word, God. I thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do for this church in the future. I listen, to Your Son's name. We pray, Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Now, for for just a few minutes this morning, we're going to be going. We're going to look at two forms of worship that you see in some churches and that you might see in yourself. And the first one we're going to look at is, and there's only two now, number one is misdirected worship. And, and that's a rough one for us, misdirected worship. Now, I want us to focus on true worship because that's what we are to do when we come into the church is have true worship. For many, the goal of worship is what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I'll go to church, but what's in it for me? If you come to church, with an attitude of what's in it for me, I promise you this, you ain't going to get much out of it. When you start coming to church and making whatever goes on inside these four walls about you, this church has been turned from his church to your church, and it becomes the me church, and there ain't no worship takes place in any me church in the world. You can't do it. You've become self-centered. Instead of Christ-centered, the church has become self-centered. It's me-centered. And that's, folks, is dangerous. But that, folks, is the route that a lot of churches are taking right now. Whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever makes you happy, whatever flips your trigger and floats your boat, just do it. All right. If you want to come in here and just and just do whatever you want to do on your own, and you don't have to talk about God, we won't even read the Bible. We don't have to sing hymn or nothing. Whatever you want to do. A lot of people are doing that now and that is self-centered. That is not God-centered. We live in an age of the me church, and it's it's destroying the churches. It's destroying worship. You might think it revolves around you, but what happens is it actually disturbs and disrupts other people. People can see it when you're self-centered. People see it when you're not worshiping with the rest of us, and sometimes it's kind of like that one bad apple in a basket. It makes the others rot. It can be a ripple effect. It can start with one person not truly worshiping and just sitting back there in the corner with their arms crossed because it's tradition, i got to be here on Sunday. And then they get all sour, well, it could spread a little bit. We don't want that. God don't want that. The gods that the people of Athens made were, were they were modeled and molded after themselves. And I encourage you, at some point, read Acts chapter 17. The whole thing. It's not that long. It's, it's thirty-four, uh, 34 verses long. But go back this evening and, and make that, it, it'll connect with you. Because the folks in Athens were messed up. They were messed up pretty bad. And, and here Paul is doing what Paul does best. And he's preaching Christ and him crucified. He's preaching boldly. And he's making the Athenians pretty mad. But that's okay. Because he's getting the word out. Whenever man rejected the true God back here in, in Athens, when he rejected the true God and went off on his own, he began to make images and idols that reflected himself. Not God, not the big G God that we're worshiping. When true worship occurs and God is worshiped in, in spirit and truth like it's supposed to, then man is remade in the image remade in the image of God. When we steer away from the image of God, when we steer away from true worship, we we start to we do start to worship things that are not the true God. And I say this a lot: we can make anything a god. We anything that we put before God is a god. It can be it can be anything, folks. It's hunting season, and it's extremely easy for a hunter to put hunting before God, especially when they said that you can start hunting on Sundays. It's easy to put road trips or sports. I mean here we are in, in fall sports season, baseball's over with, but football starts up. It's easy to put things before God because it's just church. That's the way we look at it. It's just church. It's okay to miss you know all these Sundays, uh, I'll just pray a little harder next week or I'll give a little extra in the, in the offering plate when I get back to church. It's so easy to make anything a God and that's what these people in Athens were doing. Well, I don't like that God. I'll make another one and i tell you what, let me just set this mirror up in the corner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him look a lot like me. Yeah, maybe just a little bit more hair. Maybe just, <laughs> Rita got a kick out of it. Maybe, 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 uh We'll chisel his chin out, give him good firm jaws. And yeah, that looks a lot like me now. Yeah, That's what we do. That's what they did. And we tend to do the same thing. We might not make gods look like us, but we tend to put things before God when we feel like our God has deserted us. When we feel like our God has let us down. When our God didn't heal that certain person in our family that was sick, we blame him for taking them out. Well, you know what? It may have been a blessing. They were suffering. God's got a reason why he does what he does. I don't know. I don't understand it, and I'm okay with that. But it's his perfect will. That's what matters as long as it's in his will. But if we are upset with the God that we serve, we tend to just make another one. And that's what these Athenians were doing. They were making their own. That's part of the reason that true worship feels threatened sometimes. It brings a change in us. And it's supposed to bring you changes. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, I felt a change in myself last week. I honestly felt a change in myself last week. Whenever Brother Daniel had me stand right over here on this side, and he had Brother Charles over there on that side, and he was talking about being in the middle. What's in between? The devil and Jesus. It don't matter where you're at between the two. You're still in between the two. Folks, that changed me. That opened my eyes to a lot of things. I slept the best that night I've slept in a long time. But that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to be changed. When we're saved, we become a new creature. There's a change going on inside of us. We know that. But folks, change happens through church services as well. Things are being preached and sung and done. I got moved in the singing. It was that good. I got moved in the preaching. It was that good. I want that change, but a lot of people fear that change. They don't want to have that change, so they're going to stay away from God. They're going to stay away from church, and they're going to go do what they want to do. It's supposed to change us to the core. Each each person here probably experienced something, some type of feeling before like that. You get up one Sunday morning, and, and you, you're going you say, I, you know what, I've had a rough week this week. I've sinned a lot more than I normally sinned. I, I just don't want to go to church. I'm afraid of what the preacher might say. I'm afraid you're afraid of conviction is what it is. That, that conviction moves you a little bit, don't it? scares you a little bit. Worries you sometimes. But it's supposed to. That's what conviction is for. It's supposed to move us and keep us from doing things that, that are not of God. Think about it. The Athenians, what did they do? They erected an altar, and they called it the unknown God. Over in verse 23, i to read one more. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. I love that right there. Paul's blunt. I like Paul. He's blunt. I like him. There's not a lot of filter there, kind of like Peter. There's just no filter there. Paul tells it like it is. You're ignorant. And whatever you're doing with that little uh, that unknown God thing, that ain't working for you, because He ain't real. You're ignorant. We do the same thing sometimes. They were afraid, and they was afraid that that overlooked some God. They, again, you got to go back in uh, the whole in the uh, chapter 17 and, and do a lot of research on this. There was a ton of gods. They worshipped every god that there was out there: sun god, moon god, star god. They had animal gods. They had all these gods, fertility gods, you name it, they had it. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm reading this, you can just kind of get a bundle package. If you just worship the one true God, he made all that other stuff. Why not worship one instead of all these? But they were afraid. Oh, what if, what if there's a God out there that we missed? So they created this altar for the unknown God because of this. It wasn't out of love. They did not make this altar out of love. They made this altar out of fear, not reverence, but out of fear. They was afraid if they missed a God that they was going to be punished. They was afraid if they missed a God somewhere that they'd be reprimanded. And they were scared, so they said, you know what, let's throw one together, and it's going to cover anything that we missed. But it was out of fear. Of what could happen. Today, many people feel the same way towards our God. It's, a, it's not love and devotion that cause them uh, to do some service to God. It is fear. They're afraid of what He might do for us. We have this Old Testament, some people have an Old Testament view of God and the wrath that He may pour out on us. Folks, if you're saved, if you're saved you're going to want to do more for Jesus you're going to want to come in and learn and worship and sing and praise him you're going to want to do that fear that God will be vengeful if we if we if we don't come to church and for and he'll punish us and he'll hold us back at least or we'll hold back just a little bit of our service and uh, and and we'll, and we'll we may not get the blessing, but we're not going to have to worry about the punishment that we'll get in the end. That's the way a lot of people look at, at church and worshiping God. He is a vengeful God, and we ought to fear him, we, but we need to have a fear of, 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 of reverence, not a fear of being scared of him. We've got to have reverence. And that's one of the things me and preacher Bill are talking about this week, something a lot of our children don't understand. It's not being preached that much anymore, and it is reverence. Why why are the churches not preaching that anymore? Why are preachers scared to preach reverence, the reverence of God? I don't understand it. It's a different kind of fear, and I think that's why they don't do it, Is It's just they don't, they don't understand what it is. They try to give God a little of themselves, these church people, as they can, and, and if not get a blessing now, they'll avoid that, that wrath and judgment later on and that applies to both now and eternity i want you to look at the the samaritans they're half jews when the babylonians came in and overthrew the northern kingdom er, and conquered over the northern kingdom they destroyed and departed uh, deported most of the people and brought in foreigners they brought in a bunch of foreigners to take over they left a few there but not many so these native hebrews that were left around what did they do? They started marrying into the implants that were brought in. And they started combining their beliefs and their religions. Folks, that is dangerous business right there. I, I've got a, a, a pamphlet at home. It's about, it's about that long. And it breaks down different religions that are out there. And it shows where some branch off of another. And you've got different forms of religion that all kind of back, trail back over uh, to another, it's sometimes Protestant uh, religion anyway, uh, but they're all a branch. It's, it's dangerous. Listen to what um, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.14. He says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? That worship of the northern kingdom there had its roots in tradition, which is okay. I like tradition. I'm, I'm traditional, but it started off good, and then and it was based on truth now, the way they started worshiping, but then it got corrupt and compromised and turned to rituals and superstition, and that's some one of the things I was reading there. That's what happens. You start compromising. The church starts compromising, so they start out good. A lot of churches nowadays are doing that, too. They start out good. It's a church plant. All right, we're going to split from other church. We're going to do good. Oh, numbers are low. Let's throw some smoke machines in. Let's get the lasers out. Let's start compromising just a little bit. And when you start compromising with the Word of God, that's where you're going to start. That's when the church will start falling. I I, I try not to knock any churches, and I won't call them out by name. But there are churches out there that will do their praise and worship for about 45 minutes to an hour and the preacher will get up and do a quick 10-minute devotion and it's over with. Folks, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because you know them praise and worship songs. You know how I feel about those. But There's seven-elevens, Seven words, repeat 11 times. That's dangerous. Be careful. By the time Jesus was around, he would say, about their worship habits. He said, your worship, you worship what you do not know. You're going through motions without any meaning behind it. You don't know what you're doing. That's what it boils down to. Jesus flat out plainly saying in Southern English, you don't know what you're doing. And Paul just flat out tells them they're ignorant. I like that. I'm going to read just this little article real quick. You'll like this. It's back in uh, World War II, there was something known as the Cargo Cults. Have you guys ever read about that? Hunter, take note. You're going to like this. The Cargo Cults of the South Pacific. Allied troops swept across isolated South Pacific islands and made airstrips and refueling. the war in The primitive native people were suddenly invaded by modern civilization with no time to adjust and learn what it was about. When the war ended and these island bases were abandoned, these natives felt forsaken. These primitive people saw something real, but uh, misinterpreted it and went into a dark ignorance. They constructed scale models of the thing seen and desired, hoping to bring the cargo. They started the and they did not understand, but they but they desired it. The cargo cults. it still exists. They're still, and go online. I'm telling you, you got to look this thing up. It is amazing. They've seen these people come in, clear some land, make some runways, give them some supplies. These native people had never seen an airplane, much less military, before in their lives. And so they come in and they clean out these spots, and they're they're using it the a landing strip, and they're giving these natives supplies, and then they're poof, they're gone broke their hearts. They thought, well, what if? What if we build? What if we erect this temple? What if we erect this altar, the unknown cargo gods? Maybe they'll come back. What if we worship this God? Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they'll come and bring us more stuff. That's where we're going right now. We're, we're, we're in, a, in an age right now where I believe there's a lot, a lot more cargo gods in America than there are in the South Pacific. They're sitting up, and they're worshiping too much stuff inside these church buildings, and they forgot all about God. They forgot all about the one that we're supposed to be truly worshiping. Number two, redirected worship. A prayer and worship is actually misdirected. I think my battery's dying. I keep hearing it go in and out. Maybe not. It focuses on us and our needs, but not on God himself. We need to redirect our prayers. Have you ever thought about that, redirecting your prayers a little bit? Now, I'm not saying going through somebody else, because you know that don't happen. That can't happen. We've got to redirect our worship. We've got to rethink the way that we're worshiping. We've got to aim a little bit higher than what we've been aiming here lately with how we pray and how we worship. Let God become the central point and heart of our worship. We have to. When we start making God an afterthought or we put Him in a box in a corner on the back eye, whatever you want to call it, when He is not the central point, we won't grow spiritually. We are not going to grow. We're going to starve ourselves to death. We're not going to be fed by the Holy Spirit when we have cornered God start worshiping and doing other things in the churches we need to please him and not us because remember this ain't about us it's all about him that's something we have to always remember it's about him not about us now i'm going to read you a quote from someone and i want you to listen very carefully to the words before you start amen and agreeing with me okay listen really close here's the quote Brace yourself. I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Does that kind of make you mad? I've read that. I've listened to it. it the more I listen to it, the more I rate, the matter I get. That's a quote from Victoria Osteen. Makes me sick. Bill Cosby, he would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Not only is she theologically wrong, but it is useless. When you start saying things, I can't say she preached it because she can't preach. But when you start saying things like that, people are getting the wrong mindset. And when they walk into a church, they start to make it self-centered. And folks, if they've never received Salvation through Jesus Christ, they'll never get it. They're wrong. That's false doctrine. That's false teaching. Look at the the misery that we read about there in Psalms. Think about the pain and the suffering that we read in Lamentations. I want you to look at the suffering that Paul went through. God is the one that stepped up and got them through all that misery all the bad stuff that was going on in their lives, the writers of, of Psalms, Dave and all them, and Psalms and Lamentations. I'll not get on my Lakewood church soapbox today. I'll save you all that one. But uh, folks, be careful with what you listen to. I will say that. Church services have easy access now. They're all online. You go to YouTube, you can live stream, you can do all kinds of stuff. Folks, be careful with what you listen to, because it is dangerous. And there's a lot of false doctrine being floated around out there. All right, so we're going to go on from that one. I'll, I promise you I won't get on that soapbox. If you're, if you're here this morning and your spouse is here, and you say to your spouse, I love you, and they were would respond back to you and say, why do you love me? How would you answer that? Why do you love me? Think about that. Why do you love me? Now, your response back better not be, I don't know, just cause. I don't know, just cause. Mayor, you have my permission to slap the fire out of him if that's what he tells you. I don't. You don't need my permission then, do you? <laughs> Why do you love me? I don't know, just because. What if God asked you, why do you love me? Why do you love me? What would your answer be? I I can't answer it for you. I know why I love him. I'm pretty sure you know why you love him. And I'd say in the top three, because we're going to have a lot of reasons why we love him, but I'd say in the top three, one of them has got to do with the cross. One of them has to do with his son. One of them has to do with that sacrifice. But I remember what the Bible says, too. We love him because he first loved us. There's all kinds of reasons out there. You know what, when we get to heaven and and we start to thank him for all the things that he's done for us, I think we'll start spilling our guts then too about why we love him so much. We talk about how we'll need years and years and years and years to thank him for all he's done for us, and I think we'll need even that that many years, if not more, to come up with the reasons why we love him. There's a whole slew of them right now. Now next Sunday we come in here, and if I see wives on one side and men on the other, it's because somebody answered wrong. Somebody's in the doghouse. <laughs> true worship is not just about what we get from it, but it's about celebrating who he is. And that's what we do when we have true worship. We're celebrating God and who he is and what he's done for us. As I talk to people, I hear them make comments like, I, I don't get anything from church. Ooh, that drives me up. the wall. I don't get anything out of church. Or, I don't feel God's presence. But it always starts out with, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, that's your problem. You, you're your own problem. Because you have made that church service about you. Just like Keith said, when you go home, if you're riding with somebody, one person may say, that was for me. That done me some good. Another person like, "I didn't do a thing for me. I have no clue. He's chasing rabbits all day, which happens often. But it's, it works differently with each person. Yeah, it may have been for one person or, or 10 or 15 people in the church, but the other five or six, maybe not. I will be honest with you from last week, I believe every service that Brother Daniel preached probably hit every single one of us at the same time. It was I thought it was awful good. Self-centered worship. True worship is when we recognize who God is and celebrate and rejoice in it. And in Him, true worship does not start with our feelings, but with our understanding and appreciation of God. Don't come in here trying to move on emotions. You can't worship with emotions. That is of the devil. You cannot come in here. Me and Preacher Bill was talking about this Thursday. I went to Cleveland, Tennessee with Preacher Bill Conrad. One of the church missionary, well, the one we we support here. Me and him went to the home office at Rock of Ages Ministry Thursday, eight and a half hours. That was a long trip, but we got talking about that emotions. Now, if you've ever been to a church service where they they have a band, I don't. It don't have to be a church service. Them back up. It don't have to be a church service. It can be any, any anywhere where there's music and the bass is really deep and it rumbles and the drum bass drum is you know it's really deep and it moves you it gives you a, a feeling have y'all ever experienced something like that I've been it, it even happens in bluegrass concerts trust me something about that doghouse bass it just moves me but you know there's it will move you and that's why they're starting to integrate music into church a lot now because it messes with your emotions Good or bad, I, I, I mean, some of them can make you feel good, but then you're not worshiping the way that you're, you're supposed to. And it's about the music, not even the singing, just the, the music. And it's scientific, guys. They're, I mean, they've brought science into churches just to move you. Be careful with that. The feelings will follow once we recognize who he is. So once you recognize who he is and what he can do and what he's doing, then that emotion is going to follow that. And then you're going to have this joy that's unspeakable. And you're going to have this love in your heart that you've probably never felt before. And you're going to have emotions that just move through you that you've never felt before. And you'll have a peace. Like the Bible says, it passeth all understanding. You won't get it. You just ain't going to get it now but you will later. But once you figure out when you come in and you're here to truly worship, or you go to a church and you're there to truly worship, then that emotion is going to come in and it's going to be good. You might holler a little bit. You may you may even slip out an amen. or You may even whoop your hanky out and just wave a little bit. I don't know. But when that emotion hits you, you'll know it. It's the real deal. Now, do I like to feel good after church? I do. I love to leave here. I almost feel like I ought to be running out of here and y'all throwing Gatorade on me sometimes. It's never happened. Y'all will wait till February and do it when it's cold out. You know, there's been church services where I've ran out of here. I've come out of here and I have felt good. I felt the Spirit. I felt good up here. I felt liberty and I felt love from y'all, and I love it. But then there's those other Sundays that you leave here and you can't get out of the parking lot quick enough. Happens to all of us. I don't mind leaving here feeling bad sometimes because a lot of times it's because I've said something that I didn't think I've worded it properly or I may have misquoted or give you the wrong, wrong book of the Bible or something like that that's happened. But I feel bad. But then I'll get a phone call from one of y'all saying, I really do appreciate that. That was for me. You'll catch me out in the parking lot. Say thank you. Things change. I don't mind that feeling created our feelings and emotions. And it's not wrong to be moved during a true worship. It is not wrong. Folks, let me tell you something. If Lord lays it on you just to say amen, say amen. If he gives you that moment here at church just to stand up in the middle of the service and give your testimony or testify, do it. That's a feeling that, that's just a good feeling. I love it. When Lord moves you and he says you need to go pray, you do it. When that, when you get that urgency about you, that urge in your heart, that burden for someone or something, and you feel it necessary just to come up and pray, you pray. That I love that emotion when He's pushing you like that. Let me move on here. Ever been around? Uh, I talked about that a while ago. When we worship, think about who He is and what He's done, and then celebrate Him. Who He is, what He's done, then celebrate Him. Ponder on it, and you rejoice. And then you give thanks. And I thought of a few things, and I'm going to wrap up with this. This morning I sit in the office praying, and these things come to my mind. And I want to, I want to share with you. When you when you ponder what he is, who he is, what he's done, and then you rejoice in your heart, but here's some things you need to be given thanks for. There's several of them, and there's more. This is just a couple of them I could, I could come up with. Give thanks for his holiness. That's a good one. Give thanks for his love. I like that one myself. Give thanks for his wisdom. Give thanks for his power, because he is almighty, ain't he? Think about that power. Give thanks for his majesty. Give th- I love this one. Give thanks for his promises. Amen. Every single one of them. Again, we know of one that he ain't fulfilled yet, but he's working on it. Give him thanks for that one, too. Think about them promises. Give thanks for his compassion. But you give thanks that cross. Ain't that rough? That's a hard one sometimes. How do you give thanks for somebody's sacrifice? But we do. And we should. Thank him for that sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how we can thank him. So that no one should perish but have everlasting life. Somebody had to do it. And God said, I know the man. I know a man. Way he's my son. And he'd be perfect on that cross. And he took it for us. Praise him for who he is and thank him for who he is. He's not the unknown God. He's the one true God. Amen. I don't worship an unknown God. Them Athenians, they just lost as ball in high weeds. They didn't know what they was doing. They didn't know who they was praying to or praying whatever they want. I don't know what they are doing. Doing devotions at an altar for an unknown God. You don't do that. Do you know and understand who you're worshiping? Stand with me. We're going to close. I know who he is because he passed by my way one time, and I thank God for that. I know. Now, do I completely understand him? That goes back to Keith's teaching this morning. That's hard. I believe if we completely understood who he is and what he'd do, we'd be scared to death. But we know enough because of what the Bible's told us. And what the Holy Spirit's told us, we know enough, and that's just enough. That's just enough. If I have anything on their heart this morning as we dismiss, close out, I will again. Like I said, Wednesday night, I want to thank y'all for coming this week. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed fellowship with y'all and other churches, the singing. Uh, Conley, you, and... Uh, Mike and and Keith and Travis for singing. That was uh, that was perfect. We lost our singer the night before, but I, I God had that whole thing planned out from the get go, and I appreciate that. Anybody have anything on their heart? Anybody All right, appreciate everybody coming out this morning and come back here Wednesday night. We're we're at the tail end of the book of Daniel. We'll see where this is going to go. All right, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you again for this evening's service, Lord. I, I can't thank you enough for all the promises, Lord. I can't thank you enough for all the love that you poured out on us, yes. and Lord. I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful that I know you. Lord, I'm thankful that I know what I'm worshiping. I know in my heart of hearts, Lord, I know that Jesus Christ is your son. I know in my heart that your son died on that cross, and I know in my heart that he's buried in that grave and resurrected three days later. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Father, that that makes my worship easier, knowing that I know who you are. Father, I pray. Day through the the words that have been said, Lord, or sung, I, I just pray that it, it's touched someone or moved someone. Father, we're not worshiping some unknown God. Lord, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that we're in this church right now worshiping the one true God. And Lord, I thank you for the service here. I thank you for the hearts of those that are here and for the desire that they have to truly worship you. God, I pray that you go with us as we leave this place, go with us as we travel, go with us as we go to work. Father, give us opportunities to be a witness to someone that may be lost, Lord. We want to lift up uh, Ken's sister, Lord, as, as she goes in for surgery and, and for Mike's neighbor. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just touch there in, in a way, uh, Lord, that it would give both families just a peace. Lord, I pray that you'd be with them um, again with um, uh, Judy's family as well this morning as uh, uh, they prepare for the loss of an aunt, a dear loved aunt. And I, I just ask, the Lord, again, that you, you grant peace there as well. Father, we love you, and we thank you for all that you're doing, what you've done, Lord. We're looking forward to what you have in store for us. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you all Wednesday.